This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. for us, doesn't he? And he said that he'd leave the 99 to go chase down that one that ran off, and we know that he'd do that. And this week, we're going to look at how Jesus deserves 100% from us. Amen? And so if you need an outline for the message, raise your hand, and the ushers will give you one. They'll get you an outline for the message. And I think about just how we saw there that we have people that they gave 100% for us, there's a lot of great people that that what else could you give? What more could you give than your life? And there's a lot of great heroes that have done that. But I know this much. Jesus is the greatest of them all. And Jesus, he didn't hold anything back. He gave there was nothing more he could have given. Jesus gave everything for us. And sometimes I'm still like, why did you do that? We don't deserve this. Do you see us? You did this for us. But Jesus did it anyway. And so I know this much. I could never repay him back. None of us could. You can't pay him back with money. You can't pay him back with you. There's nothing you can do to pay Jesus back. But I know this much. He deserves my very best. Jesus deserves a 100 from me. Jesus deserves 100 percent of who I am. And so I want to examine this today for a few minutes and see uh, maybe where we could do better in our own life. And you you got to speak for yourself. Only you know what you're given to him. Only you know what else you could uh, you could lay down at his feet. Only you know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life and in your mind. You do. But I know this much. I know I can do better for Jesus. I'm not satisfied with what I'm doing right now for Jesus. I've got to do better. He deserves a lot more out of me than what I'm giving him. And I believe everybody, when we examine ourselves, could probably say the same thing. If you could say, nope, there's nothing more I can do for Jesus, then I want to shake your hand because you are the man. But chances are there's more you could do. All right. So let's go ahead and pray and get into this message. And I believe God's going to speak to us today. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church to worship in. Lord, you've given us a building to, to come and meet together in and, and, and be a family, Lord. We are a family here, and we thank you that we're surrounded by our brothers and sisters today. And Lord, I pray that as we open up our Bibles, your holy word, that you'll speak to each person here, Lord. And I pray that you'll correct us, Lord. If we need roughed up a little bit, that's fine, Lord. We can handle it. Rough us up a little bit. But Lord, I know that you're going to bring us up to a higher level for you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. The first thing is this. I'm going to ask this question. Number one, is he my Lord or only my Savior? Is he my Lord or is he only my Savior? And, you know, it's funny. um, My dad was preaching on Wednesday night and he pretty much did exactly what I'm doing right now. I think it was almost the same title and everything. But at the same time, God must have wanted us to hear it because we're doing this again. So is Jesus my Lord or is he only my Savior? Because there's a lot of people that have made Jesus their Savior and they're good people. Nothing against them. They are really good people, but they have never made him their Lord. They've never made Jesus their Lord. They, they, they bought the fire insurance policy. They're going to heaven. They're not going to burn in hell, but that's about as good as it gets for them. They have not made Jesus their Lord. They are their own Lord because they still call all the shots. They still, they're still in charge. They're running the show. They're still sitting on the throne of their own heart for all practical purposes. A lot of people 
you're your own Lord. Jesus is not your Lord. And you're like, well, that sounds like a mean thing to say. Well, let me show you something here. In Luke chapter 6. Let's open up to Luke chapter 6. Yeah. And I found out that Jesus is a lot better of a Lord than I am. He does a And when I let him run the show, he does a lot better of a job than I could ever do. But Luke chapter 6, we're going to look at a couple of verses here. And uh, maybe you've heard the story of the wise man that built his house upon the rock. Have you ever heard that? Did they sing that when you were a little kid? Did you do the motions? All right, good. All right, then you know where we're going. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at just a couple of verses here, verses 46 through 49. But this first verse is what really gets me. Uh, I mean, this just kind of just, it's a slap across the face right here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus said to these people, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Whoa! It just got real right there. Why do you keep calling me Lord? I don't get it. Jesus is confused. He's like, why do you keep calling me Lord? You don't do what I say. Because... A Lord is somebody that you do what they say. You you obey what they're doing. You know, if you got a landlord, you got to obey the rules because really it's their place, right? And so there's a lot of people that they're, he's my Lord, he's my Lord, and he's saying, I'm not your Lord. I, I love you. I know you. I'm your Savior, but I'm not your Lord. You don't do anything that I say to do. And so that's a very valid question right there, isn't it? If you could get Jesus to say, what? Why? I don't get it. Why do you keep calling me Lord? I don't, I don't get it. I'm confused right now. Imagine if there's somebody that, that they, they wanted to call you boss all the time. You didn't ask them to, but they're like, hey, hey boss, what's up boss? How you doing boss? You know, and I know people like that. They're like, what's up boss? Like, I don't know. What's up with you? So, so they're always calling you boss, boss. And, and I'm like, I didn't tell you to, to, to call me boss. Why? But every, but at the same time, this person's voluntarily, you know, made you their boss, so to speak. But every time you ask them to do something, they never do it. Okay? So, I mean, every time, hey, could you go pick that up? Could you go get the mail? They're like, no. You kidding me? Don't judge me. What are you talking about? You know, whatever the case is, tell me how to live my life. And so every time you ask them and tell them to do it, they never do it, yet they still keep calling you boss. After a while, I would probably be so annoyed, I'd be like, quit calling me boss. I'm not your boss. I didn't try to, I didn't force myself. You, you came to me and said that, and, and you're calling me that, but I am not your boss. You don't ever do anything I say to do. Why would you call me boss? This, I'm confused right now. And Jesus is in that same spot. He's like, I don't get it. What, you keep calling me Lord, but you don't do anything I say. I, I am not your Lord. I love you. I, you're great. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. I do love you, but I am not your Lord because a Lord is somebody that you obey. You do what they say to do. And so look at the next couple of verses here. Verse 47. He says, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Three things right there. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. I mean, and wouldn't that be crazy? You go out there and you're going to, I mean, you're going to build a house, but you're not going to lay a foundation at all. I mean, I mean, I'm not a construction guy, but I know you've got to have something there that you're building upon. And I know a lot of people that... They've really built their lives on nothing. They just started throwing up 
throwing it together, like throwing some money at it, throwing a little bit of entertainment. Just, I mean, they basically, they set up some boards and put shingles on it. And like, there's our house. This is our life. And it may look pretty from the outside, but it really doesn't take much of a storm at all to just come in and shatter everything that they call home. Shatter their family, shatter their marriage, shatter their finances, everything. It doesn't really take much to blow your life apart if there's no foundation. Yeah, there's some people, they've, they've done it right. They've, they've taken the time. I mean, and, and laying a foundation, this is not a one-day thing. This isn't, I went to church one time, so the foundation's laid. This isn't, you know, well, I, I read a verse, so I, I'm good. No, it does take time. But I can tell you this much, it's well worth it when your house is still standing and everybody else's is collapsed, right? I like to have a house that's standing. I like to have a house that has a roof and walls and a door. And, and I mean, the electricity is a bonus. I like that. I like the air conditioning. It's all great stuff. But listen, it takes a minute to lay a proper foundation, but a whole lot of people, they're too lazy. They don't, I don't have time for that. I mean, come on, the game's on. Uh, come on, uh, there's money to be made. There, there, there's, there's things to go do. And, and they don't want to lay the foundation. And that's fine. You don't have to lay a foundation for your life. You do not have to. But in the end, you'll really wish that you did. Because I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody, it looked like their life was beautiful from the outside, they had a great roof. They, they had a great, I mean, they, the landscaping, so to speak, it all looked great. But then after a while, there's nothing left standing, not, not one piece on top of the other because there was no foundation. And why is it? Well, Jesus is like, hey, listen, I, you kept calling me Lord and I told you, you don't do anything I say. You have no foundation. When somebody comes to him, listens, and then obeys. They have got a proper foundation. And so Jesus is not your Lord until you are living in obedience to him. Jesus isn't your Lord until you're living in obedience to him. And nothing we're saying is trying to tear people apart or make them feel bad. But I think that I want to examine my life for a minute today. And I want to see how I could be doing better for Jesus because he gave his best for me. Can you imagine that? The only perfect person ever, and he gave his best for all of us? I mean, that, that's a lot to look at. That's a lot uh, to consider right now. And so we need to take the time to lay the right foundation for our lives. And again, it takes a minute. And so I believe, I know lots of people that Jesus is no doubt their Savior. They do love God. They don't really fear the Lord, but they love God. They, they love Jesus. They've accepted him. They've, you know, they've made peace with him, but he's just not their Lord. They are still their own Lord. And that's not a good foundation to have. And so, you know, you hear people say things like, well, man, I, I've got God. I've got God in my life. Well, usually if you say something like that, that's my first clue. I mean, you have, you have God or do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, if you and the man upstairs are like, no, I, I'm sorry. This, if you, if you call him the man upstairs, there's a, anyway, there's lots of things. It's Jesus, the son of God. It's Jesus, our Savior. Come on. And so, but I'm telling you right now, I hear people just say dumb things that, because they don't want to take the time to lay a foundation. Man, I can be just as much of a Christian as you and never go to church. Yeah, you can. You, you can definitely have Jesus as your Savior and never go to church. I don't think you can have him as your Lord, though, and never go to church. And I definitely, I mean, you can be just as much uh, born again as anybody else and not go to church, but you cannot be as strong 
as all these people that lay down their time, they sacrifice to come into God's house. You think you're going to be as, if I go to the gym once a month and then I want to, I want to challenge the heavyweight champion of the world to a fight. That's what some of us are doing. I mean, listen, you've got a real enemy out there. It says we, we, don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But some of us, I mean, we're like, man, I went to the, I, I went to the gym in April. I think I could take him. Bring on Mayweather. You know, whatever. I can take this guy. I, I, I mean, I, I occasionally eat a salad. I, I'm ready to go. I'm, I, let's do this. You would get torn limb from limb. And a lot of people, they want to go to battle with the devil. I'm going to take on the devil. Spiritual warfare. And if, I mean, if I had a dollar for every person that told me they're a prayer warrior, yet they don't go to church, I'd be a millionaire. I'd be like, man, that would be. But I'm t- you are not a prayer warrior if you don't ever even go to God's house. You're not a prayer warrior if you don't ever read your Bible. The devil's not afraid of you. You're like, that's like me trying to challenge an MMA fighter. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. I'm going to get killed. I'm not ready for that. And a lot of us, we're, I mean, the devil comes, guns a-blazing, and I, I, I got a Bible somewhere, but I'm, t- I'm a prayer warrior, though. I am a prayer warrior. No, you're not. Shut up. You're not. Jesus isn't even your Lord. Okay, and so let's get real for just a minute here. Are we giving Jesus a hundred percent? Only you can answer that. But I'll tell you this much. Jesus doesn't want to be your Lord for his own benefit. It's for your benefit. It's not because he likes bossing people around. Listen to me. Jesus wants to be running your life. Jesus wants you to lay your life down to him and say, I want you to be my Lord Jesus. I want you to take control. And it's not just so we can have, well, there's another one I can control right there. Yeah. Notch another one up. No. It's for your benefit because he knows a lot more than you do and he can do a lot better job with your life than what you can do. And I know he can do a better job with my life than what I can do with it. And so is Jesus your Lord or is he only your Savior? And so the second thing I'm going to ask is this, am I a disciple, let's take it a step further, or just a convert? Am I a disciple of Jesus, or did I, I just, I converted to Christianity, it seemed like a good idea. And, and listen, Jesus told his disciples, right before he went back up into heaven, the Great Commission, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, I want you to go convert as many people as you can get them to say this prayer right here and then move on to the next batch. He said, Jesus is looking for disciples. And not everybody that's a Christian is a disciple. There's a lot of people that follow Jesus around, okay? There's a lot of people like, I, 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 can, I can say amen to that sermon, Jesus. I, I, I can agree with you on this. Jesus is a good man. There's a lot of people that were cool with Jesus, but there were only a certain percentage that were disciples, because a disciple is willing to go a step further. A disciple is willing to sacrifice. A disciple is willing to do without sometimes. A disciple is willing to lay their life all the way down and give Jesus 100%. Someone that's just a convert or a follower or cool with Jesus, they won't do that. There will eventually be something like, I, I mean, I love him, but I can't, I can't give that. I, I can't give that up right there. There will be something, if you are not a disciple, that will eventually, you're like, I can't, no. I'm not going to give that up. Listen to me. Are you a disciple or just a convert? Let me show you a story here in Matthew chapter 19. There's this, uh, this 
this rich young guy that came up and he's like, man, I want to be a disciple. These guys are awesome. They get to go everywhere with Jesus. They get to hang out. They see miracles. This is great. And so he comes up to Jesus. He's like, hey, I want to be a disciple. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, what can I do to be one of these guys? And so Jesus, he says a few things to him here. And so the first thing he says is, well, okay, then obey the commandments. Because then they were still under the law here. Obey the commandments. So the guy's like, hey, already done. I obey every single one. Now, hey, check me. I, I, done. Done deal. I obey all the commandments. I don't break any of them. And Jesus is like, okay, well, if you want to be a disciple, here's what it takes. And so Jesus told him in uh, Matthew 19, verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. He just walked off because he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, why is that? This guy, he's like, I, I'm ready. I am ready for this. I am ready to be a disciple of you, Jesus. I obey the commands. I mean, I've studied. I've got it all together. What can I do for you? And Jesus says, okay, if you really want to be a disciple, I'm going to ask you to give it all up and then come follow me. And then the guy's like, okay, why could I've got a lot of stuff, man. I've got a, the Xbox, the, whatever it is you're on now. The, the, I got the PS five, seven, nine. I mean, I, I've got it all. And you're, you're asking me to get rid of all that. Uh, I can't do that. I'm sorry. So was this guy really a disciple? Not a chance in the world. He wasn't even willing to give up earthly possessions. He wasn't even willing to give up money. He wasn't even willing to, to give up some of the things he owned to be a disciple. He, he just straight walked away from Jesus right then and there. And so I know this much. You won't know if you're a disciple until you're really tested to quit. You won't know. If you don't ever face anything, you don't know if you're a disciple or not until you have some real test. And until you're really tested, when it's when the rubber meets the road, when you've really got the heat on, that's when we'll know if you're a disciple or not. If you quit when it gets hard, you're not a disciple. It's as simple as that. If money and, and things are more important to you, that's fine. Hey, no one's making you be a disciple. Just listen. You're not one. If those things are more important to you. And this guy, he wanted to be known. He wanted the title. He wanted the, you know, the, I don't know, the fame or the, the, the reputation of being a disciple, but his stuff was more important than Jesus. And if you were to straight up come and say, hey, is your stuff more important than Jesus? No, it's, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. But when it came down to it, his stuff was more important than Jesus. And so I know a lot of people that really do consider themselves to be a disciple, but it, when it comes down to it, they're not, because there's a lot of things that they won't give up for Jesus, let alone lay down their entire life for him. That's a joke. But I mean, if you won't, if you won't give up, you know, two hours on a Sunday, yeah, you say you're going to lay down your life for Jesus. No, you're not. You know, there's this quote that we've used a lot lately, but don't say you'd go to jail for your faith when you won't even go to church for it. Come on. Yeah, right. Yeah. The persecution's going to come. Right. Yeah. And, and they're going to come and say, you know, you're going to go to jail. 
preacher, Jesus, I don't even know who that is. Je- who? What? Yeah. There's not a chance in the world that a lot of people that really, I mean, let's just examine our lives for a minute. We're not judging anybody. We're asking you to judge yourself. We're asking you to look at your own life for a minute and say, am I a disciple or did I merely convert to Christianity? Listen, you can still go to heaven, but you are not going to have a lot of the benefits and you are not going to really be able to lay your head on the pillow at night saying that I've given it all to Jesus. And uh, I, I mean, listen, no one's perfect, but we need to examine our lives. And so I know this, if you won't give up some of your hobby time, but you would give up your Bible or church time, you're not a disciple. I know people, like, football season starts and we don't see them again. They're not a disciple. They're great. I love them. But if you can't, if you can't give Jesus two hours out of that Sunday, come on. And, and you say you're a disciple? No, you're not. I mean, I know some of you guys, you guys, we had a lot of softball players at the church. I know some of these guys, they, they could have two broken legs. They would crutch their way out there and play softball still. Then they get the sniffles and they can't go to church. Come on, let's just, let's be real. Let's not lie to ourselves. If you could go out and play football or basketball or softball or whatever it is, and you, I mean, I've seen them carry some of these guys out there, and they'll be on their knees at home plate swinging, and then, where are they on Sunday? Man, I got a head cold. Sinuses are acting up. I can't make it. Holy moly. And you're a disciple of Jesus? Shut up. You are not a disciple of Jesus. You're not. You're a great guy, and we love you to pieces, man. You're adorable, but you're not a disciple. You're a great person, but you are not a disciple of Jesus. Here's another one that I've, I've examined in my own life. If you're feeling sick, but you wouldn't call off of work for it, would you skip God's house for that same ailment? Now, 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 I'm, now I'm getting the look. Now, I finally, I've hit it. Yes, this is what I'm going for. All right, I've hit it. And so I know some people, like, man, they could have, like, half their, they could be missing limbs and they have a headache and, I mean, and they're dying, but they'll crawl into work because they're getting paid for it. There's money involved. But, I mean, again, have the sniffles and, oh, I, just, I don't think I can make it in today. We stayed up late last night. The game ran late. And, uh, and that's fine. It is your life. Live it. But you're not a disciple, okay? I, 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 I don't get it how, how you're willing to go into 8, 10, 12 hours of work feeling like death, but you wouldn't come into a one-hour Wednesday night service where the anointing of God is that could heal you, but you'll risk life and limb for money? Who's your Lord? Oh, Jesus, I'd say it's money at that point. And, and so I used to feel really... I felt guilty asking people to do stuff at church all the time, you know, because I'm like, well, can't ask them to come and change life. We're, we're not paying them and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and if you would only serve if you were getting paid money for it, you're not a servant of God. You're definitely not a disciple. But if it, if it takes money for you to do something for the Lord, you've got a serious heart condition, man. But let's take it a step further. 
Would you, all of us that, you know, there, there's hundreds of people that volunteer in this place. The Ministry of Helps, ushers, there's nursery workers that you're not even seeing right now, children's workers, there's cleaner. I mean, there's, you have no idea how many people run a 13-acre, three-building property in the middle of the desert. There's, all, I mean, most of you in here do something to help out in God's house. And it's absolutely great. But, but, I, but I, I, I ask this much. Would I do a better job if they were paying me? I mean, I'll, this is a volunteer thing, man. I'll, I'll show up, but I'm gonna, I'll get there when I get there. They're lucky I'm coming. Listen, I'm, I'm laying down my life. I'm laying down my time. And, and, but, but it, what, if, what if somebody laid a little cash on the table? Hey, we're gonna pay you a hundred bucks to come in and do nursery today. I'll be there. I'll get there early. I'll stay late. I'll, I'm gonna give it everything I've got today. Isn't that crazy? How many people would give, would, would serve in their area of ministry, whatever it is, music, whatever, how many people would give it a, a hundred percent if there was money on the table? But they'll give it, I don't know, 25%. I might help out occasionally if I've got time, if there's nothing, if there's nothing being exchanged. Listen. Jesus is not your Lord. I'm not, again, not judging you. You judge you. But listen, if that's the case, he's not your Lord. Money is. Money's more important. If you would give it all, if you'd give better for money than, than just simply for the love of Jesus. If loving him isn't enough to make you give your best, then I don't, I don't know what is. Okay? That motivates me a lot more than money does. That motivates me a lot more than, than anything else in this world. J- just serving God just because I love Him so much. And that, I mean, I, I, I'm guilty. We're all guilty. But let's just examine our lives here. Because a disciple, a disciple, he'll give Jesus 110% whether he ever gets anything back for it or not just because he loves Him so much. Matthew chapter 8, let's flip over there. Who's glad they came to church today, man? All right. I'm glad I'm here because simply the look on some of your faces is priceless enough. Man, we're going to need a solid camera up here to catch you. Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Here's someone else that thought they could be a disciple. Matthew 8, verse 19. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Okay, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Think about that. So I'll follow you anywhere you go. Okay, but just you need to know how I live my life. First of all, uh, I don't even have a home. <laughs> I mean, I you know I, I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. And was that because Jesus was broken and taken a vow of poverty? No, Jesus was not poor. I mean, how many of us have our own treasurer to handle our finances? Now, granted, he didn't pick the best guy in the world. Judas was kind of a backstabber, but at the same time. He had, he had his own treasurer. I mean, so Jesus was not poor. Jesus wasn't broken destitute. But Jesus decided to rough it a lot of the time because his 
time, his resources, his, his energies were a lot better spent just laying down his life to save people's lives. He's like, I, I, don't, I don't got time to go own a home. I, I don't got time to go mess with all this. There, there's lives to save. I've only got a limited amount of time here. And Jesus gave it everything. He gave it 100%. And yeah, he did without some stuff because he loved, and, and, and that makes it, that makes it even better to me that Jesus didn't have no place to lay his head because he was broke. Because then it was like, well, of course, Jesus, you have no, you're poor. You don't have a place to sleep because you're poor, Jesus. You don't got nothing. But that's not the case. Jesus, he could have had a home. He could have had a place to lay his head at night. He chose not to have a place to lay his head at night. That's a lot more beautiful when somebody is, does without, not because, well, what, what other option do they have? They're doing without because they love me so much, because they love you so much. That's sacrifice. And here I am, I'm going to give Jesus, eh, yeah, get a minute today. Go, where's that, get the Bible app open on the phone. Kids, gather around, let's read this verse. We're disciples. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now get to school. You're not a disciple, stop. Quit calling him Lord. Just, just get real for a minute. Because I'm convinced that I need to do more for Jesus than what I'm doing right now. I'm convinced that I could be given a lot more to Jesus than what I'm given right now. And so I do want to take a quick look at someone here that I feel really was a disciple and really did lay it all out there for Jesus. And that's the Apostle Paul. Let me show you 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Woo! How many disciples in the house? <laughs> Some, am I? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, we're going to look here at verse 23. 2 Corinthians 11, and so here's Paul, and this is kind of his list, uh, I won't say of accomplishments, but a list of the things that have happened to him since he started preaching and became a Christian. Uh, this is the list of things that Paul endured, yet he never quit. And so 2 Corinthians 11, and we've read this many times. Hopefully you've read this even in the Bible on your own. But 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, let's see, let's see what happened to good old Paul. He says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served them far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. He'd been beaten so many times he lost count. Times without no, he's like, are they, I, really, I, don't, I have no idea how many times they've beat me. I, I really don't know. That's a lot. That's quite a bit, because you remember a good beating. And so if he's been beaten and whipped so many times, he lost count, but he kept going. Look at this, verse 24. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. And we know that's the same beating that Jesus took before he went to the cross. Paul had that five times. Yet he wouldn't quit. Can you imagine what his back looked like? His back must have been just disgusting, awful. Scars tore up all. He must have looked absolutely terrible. Yet he still wouldn't quit. So here we go. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. What? Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. This is awful. Yet he keeps he keeps getting back up. They'd beat him down, knock him out, beat him with rods, whatever, and then he'd get back up and keep preaching. 
This is incredible. He said, I have traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city, in the desert and on the sea. And I faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Yet throughout of all of this, he never quit. The only thing that could stop him is when they cut his head off in 66 AD, the government. But listen to me. He kept going and going. And how many of us, we were a disciple, but... Man, I put that online, and I mean, I only got like four likes. I'm done, man. I'm just quitting this stuff, man. There's haters out there. There's haters everywhere. Haters. You don't know haters. Come on. <laughs> Seriously? I mean, and, and, and we got people that, man, I, I, I'm, church is full of hypocrites. I ain't going in there. Again, shut up. Shut up. There's hypocrites everywhere. I know some real morons that go to the liquor store, but a lot, they, other, they keep going. They keep going. I know people that are complete idiots that work at different grocery stores, but I still go there. There's something there that I need. I'm not going for the hypocrite. I'm going for the product. I'm going for the stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't go to church because of you, even though I love you. I love everybody in this room. You're the best. But I'm not here for you. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here for him. Amen. And so when it comes down to that, even if you are a fool, even if you are mean, even if you are nasty, that's not going to stop me from coming to my father's house just because somebody there is nasty and mean. I'm still going to go because it wasn't about you anyway. It was about Jesus this whole time. And so that's something for us to consider. But but I'm saying we look at this list uh, that, that Paul went through and that right there, that's what I'm talking about. Being a disciple. And I want to read a quick story here. Um, I was, there's a ministry called the Voice of the Martyrs, and they track persecuted Christians. And I was reading this story just uh, just on Wednesday about this lady here. Her name is Asia Bibi. She's a 37-year-old Pakistani woman uh, from a village there. She was arrested by police on Friday, June 19, 2009. Uh, Asia, also called Asia Noreen, is the wife of 50-year-old Ashik Masih. And their family is one of only three Christian families in a village of 1,500 families. So they're a little outnumbered. Many of the local women, including Asia, work on the farm of the Muslim landowner Muhammad Idris. During their work, many of the Muslim women have pressured Asia to renounce Christianity and accept Islam. In June, the pressure became especially strong. And on Friday, June 19th, there was an intense discussion among the women about their faith. The Muslim women told Asia about Islam. Asia responded by telling them about her faith in Jesus. Asia told the Muslim women Christ had died on the cross for sins, then asked them what Muhammad had done for them. Oh, they didn't like that. She told them Jesus is alive, but Muhammad is dead. Our Christ is the true prophet of God, she reportedly told them. And yours, Muhammad, is not true. He's a liar. Needless to say, this didn't go over well. 
Upon hearing this, the Muslim women became angry and began to beat Asia repeatedly. Then some men took her and locked her in a room. They announced from the mosque loudspeakers that she would be punished by having her face beaten and being being paraded through the village on a donkey. Local Christians informed the police who took Asia into custody before the Muslims could carry out their plan. She was held at the police station in Nankana City. Christians there urged the police not to file blasphemy charges, but the police claimed they were under pressure from the local Muslim leaders. Seventeen months after her arrest, she was convicted of violating subsection C of Pakistan's 295 blasphemy law, which is blasphemy against the prophet Muhammad, and was sentenced to death. And here we are, 2018. She's still being held in prison as of this past Wednesday, and a judge there has recently agreed to hear an appeal of her case, but she's already said she will, whatever they want, she will not renounce Jesus if that's what they're asking for. She's not going to do it. We're talking about disciples today. Do you think that Asia would like to be sitting in an air-conditioned church in the high desert? Surrounded by friendly, beautiful people. You know, we're all probably going to lunch after this. You're going to go down to Jenny's and get a burrito. I mean, listen, do you think Asia would just like for a minute to be sitting in your seat? And I'm, I'm, let's just, I'm asking, examine our lives. Are we disciples or are we just, we converted to Christianity? What is it? Asia is a disciple. She won't give up Jesus. She'd rather get beat. She'd rather die. Then give up Jesus. A lot of us would rather watch football than be with Jesus in an air-conditioned, friendly church surrounded by beautiful people. So, am I a disciple or am I a convert? And the third thing I'm going to say today is this, because, I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta bring it to this, because it's true, is there is a great blessing in giving Jesus a hundred percent. Because he's not asking to be Lord of your life for his benefit, as I said, he's, it's for your benefit. There's always blessing in the obedience. And so, I mean, you don't really think the scriptures tell us to do something just for the fun of it, just because they needed to use up some more paper to make it a big book. No, it's for our benefit every single time. And so I'm just going to ask them to put this verse on the screen. It's on your outline. But James 1.25, it says this, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for obeying his word. It says it right there. If you obey his law, if you obey his word, he will bless you for doing it. So there's blessing in the obedience. Another verse, just throw it up there. James, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 119, New King James, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now, I know a lot of people that they're obedient, but it's just because they're afraid of getting punished or they're afraid of what might happen if they don't. But they're not doing it willingly. And there's some people that are like, yeah, I, I'm down with that. I, I'm willing. Yeah, but they don't ever actually do it. But when you get somebody that's willing and obedient, it says, I mean, they're, they eat the good of the land. And listen, I like the good of the land. I like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, it's nice to be blessed by God. It's not selfish to be blessed by God. Okay? But I'm telling you this much. God is more important than the blessings are. 
He's a lot better. He himself is blessing enough to love him and serve him. But it's nice. It's generous of him to still offer us blessings in this life. That's very nice. He didn't have to do that, but he does it. And so I, and I love him. But listen, if they're, if we're obeying for any other reason than just simply loving God and because we're a disciple, we'll eventually quit. Because Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Not, well, if I'm, if I give you guys enough stuff, you'll probably start obeying me. That's not love. If we love him, we'll obey his commandments. And the question is this, what is the good of the land? Quickly, I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Time went quick on me today. I was looking at the, a little bit quicker than I thought. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this is verses 1 through 13. This right here, I'm talking about this chapter, it lists the blessing for obedience for the Jews under the old covenant. But the beautiful thing is I read this verse and Hebrews 8, 6 tells me that I've got a better covenant with better promises. So I want to quickly read what the blessing is over your life. And then you can imagine how good it is under the new covenant having Jesus because he fulfilled the law. So really quickly here, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 13, the Lord says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. That's cool. I'd rather be high above than beneath everybody. And so it, you will experience all these old blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Not just, you know, well, if you're one of the lucky ones and, you, and you know, he, you're one of his favorites and you get these. No, this is a, anybody can have this, that anybody can have the blessing of God. They just they just obey. It's the same thing for all of us. Nobody has an upper hand here. Everybody's on the same level playing field. If you obey the Lord, your God, there are blessings that come with it. It's not the reason that we obey him, but it's undeniable. There are blessings that come with obeying God. And so verse three says, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Hallelujah. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Who wants their kids blessed? It's pretty much the biggest thing I want in this world is my kids to be blessed. I love them and I want them to be blessed and I'm willing to make that happen. And so uh, the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. It's nice to have your food blessed. Isn't it good to have good food? Nothing wrong with that. It's good. That's fine. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. That's good, man. I like to be blessed everywhere I go, whatever I do for God to have his blessing on me. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. Hallelujah. They will attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. That's the blessing of God. I want this in my life. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. Everything real. Everything you do. I didn't write this. So, and it will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. That's the blessing of God. People, he's got to be a Christian. I mean, that's a child of God or something, man. I had somebody say that once, like, man, this it's like you're a son of Jesus or you're a son of, you're a son of God or something like that. I'm like, I am. Anyway, so 
The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. I like to prosper, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. Is it nice to go to work and what you, you're actually good at what you do to actually be blessed at it? I mean, it's nice to be blessed in your job. It stinks to do something you hate. And you're only doing it because you've got to scratch out a living and there's no other option. You, you, you really hate it, but you have no other choice. That's not the blessing of God. You should not hate your job. That's not a blessing from God. You should actually enjoy what you do. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Work should not be something you despise. God's got better than that for you. All right? So he'll bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. Right there it is. So that's the blessing right there. That's the blessing of God. And listen. Jesus wants to do, it's not a bother for him to do these things for you. Like, that all sounds good, but I don't want to be selfish. He's like, no, I, I want to do this for you. All I'm asking is that you obey me. All I'm asking is that you let me be your Lord. And then all this stuff, man, I, I'll pour blessings out upon you. And so Jesus needs to call the shots in your life, not you. Quit being your own Lord. You're not good at it. Jesus is a better Lord than what I am, than what you are, than what anybody or thing is. And he wants to be the Lord of your life. And so we saw last week, he gave 100% for me. There's literally nothing more that Jesus could have done for me than what he's already done. What more could he do? He died. He got beat. He rose again. He beat the devil. what, What else could I ask for? But I know this much. If he's looking at me, he could say, David Samples, you, uh, come on, man. You're better than that. You can, come on. And he doesn't make me feel guilty. Jesus doesn't make, sit there and beat me over the head and make me, but I know this much. I want to do more for him. I want to give him better than what he's getting out of me. And so, just as we close down, it's between you and God. Could you be giving Jesus more or are you really a hundred with him right now? You really giving it all to him? Only you can answer that. But I'm going to have Josh come up. And I want everybody to go ahead and stand up together today. We're going to call it quits right there. We're going to call it quits right there. And I want to take advantage of this moment. Um, I want to take advantage of this moment. Uh, for If you're examining your life, I see some reflection going on. I see some people looking at their lives for a minute today. But I know this much. There's a lot of people that have gone to church for years. And they really aren't saved. Like, what are you talking about? I, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced of that more now than I've ever been in my life. That even if I've known you for 15, 20, however long, that, that doesn't mean you're saved. And there's a lot of people that at one point were. And then they kind of walked away from God. And, and I know that God didn't walk away from them because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So I know he didn't go anywhere, but there are times that we have straight, okay? He said I'd leave the 99 to go chase you down because I love you that much. But uh, I, let's just get real here because today's the day of, of just put it real. Don't be embarrassed 
if you know that you're not right with God right now, it's not for my benefit. It's your life. I'm just saying. But for your benefit, I, I think that you should get things right with God today. And whatever that is in your life, maybe it's saying, I've, I've been holding back. I have not been doing enough. Man, maybe that's the case. Or maybe you are in the spot where I've never really accepted Jesus. Or maybe you did, but then you walked away. Hey, it's your, again, your life. I'm not going to do anything to me, but I know this much. I wouldn't walk out these doors, even if it embarrassed me in front of all my friends. Even if like these people know me, man, I, I've, I've been in this church for, I don't, whatever. I would not leave this place today if I wasn't a hundred with Jesus on the inside. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare do it because it's probably embarrassing to get stripped naked in front of your mom and beaten on a cross. Probably really embarrassing, but he did it anyway. He stood up. He got up for us. And so I'm just challenging you today on this lovely day. I'm going to go back up here, but if you're not being a hundred with Jesus on the inside, I dare you to come up here and give it to him. Even if you've been here forever, I dare you. I dare you to do it today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.